For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. So thank you uh, to Tygen and everyone for letting me make this offering and share something with you tonight. Um, I recently I retired, and so I've been thinking a lot about my own history and my life and how I got to be here and what I might do next, and sort of my own self identity. Like who am I? What am I doing? Where have I been? So when I was at Tassajara, I worked on this koan that kind of fits to this, what I've been thinking about and practicing with lately. It's more of a springboard for what I want to talk about here. But it's um, it's a koan from the Book of Serenity. It's number 32, and it's called um, Yangshan's Mind and Environment. And I'm using a translation not from Thomas Cleary, which we usually use, but from Joan Sutherland and John Turan, because I liked it a little better, and it seemed to fit with the talk a little bit. So first I'm going to read the koan, and then um, um, I might talk about how this student responds. We'll see, but I have a couple of antidotes from my own life to sort of illustrate the point. So here's how the koan goes. Yangshan asked a student, where were you born? The student said, I'm from Yu province. And in the book, they spell you Y-O-U. Yangshan says, do you think of that place? The student says, I'm always thinking of it. Yangshan says, that which is able to think is the mind. What is thought about is the environment. Within the environment are mountains, rivers, the great earth, towers, terraces, pavilions, people, animals, and all kinds of things. But turn your thought inward to the mind that thinks. Are there lots of things there? The student says, when I reach that place inside, I don't see anything. Yangshan says, that's right when you're in the stage of faith. But it's not yet enough for the stage of being human. The student says, do you have anything else to point out? Yangshan says, whether I have something else or not isn't the issue. When you look inside now, you see only undifferentiated darkness. But move around, throw on some clothes, and then notice yourself doing it. So what's this all about? You know, this opening question from Yangshan, where are you born? You know, that's kind of like, a Zen teacher's opening gambit to say, okay, where are you from? What's the story? You know, where are you in the practice? And depending upon how you answer, you know, they sort of take it from there. So Yangshan sort of separates out this, that which is able to think is the mind, and what is thought about as the environment. So we've got sort of two main things here. The environment is full of mountains, rivers, terraces, people, animals, and all kinds of things. And then you turn your mind inward and you think about the mind that thinks. And the student says, when I reach that place inside, I don't see anything. So this student has some 
practice experience tonight, right? I mean, I remember when I first started sitting, it was all I could do to get my brain to slow down enough with the chitter-chatter to actually hear it. It took, takes a while sometimes to get to that stage where you you sort of glimpse what that means, what that, what that no self or uh, emptiness, have that experience of what that might look like or feel like. So this little monk's been sitting for a while. He has some practice to sort of understand that no self, some experience of what looks like, feels like emptiness. So Yang San says, that which is able to think is the mind. What is thought about is the environment. So let's just take a minute here and think about You know, in order to sit at all, we have to have some sense of awareness or who we are. Maybe identity is too strong a word, but some presence. We have to have a certain amount of uh, mental health. We have to be, you know, when we sit, It's not the easiest thing to do. You know, physically it's hard. Our shoulders hurt, our neck hurts, our back hurts. We get moody, we get stuck in our thoughts, things come up we really probably aren't comfortable with and frankly would rather not know about. Maybe things we did or didn't do in the past. And it takes a certain amount of patience to be able to work with that, to work with our bodies, a certain amount of even ego, to accept the flaws and the problems and the things that we'd rather have to sit on somebody else's cushion, to take that and to to say, yeah, it's okay. I like it. You know, I mean you know, you can say it's to sort of accept who we are, flaws and all. But it's that same sense of presence or awareness itself that gets gets stuck on it. We get caught in it. We get stuck in our own environment and our own histories and our own, uh, all the people and the things and the people who are in our life and who trained us and who we think, you know, and we think, we start to think that's what we are. So let's go back to the student in the koan here. He's always thinking about where he is born, the houses, the people, and the animals. And then he steps back and realizes, okay, when I look inside myself, I don't see anything at all. No self, no existence. And Yangshan says, that's right when you're at the stage of faith. But that's not yet enough for the stage of being human. So most of us, if we sat for any length of time, we have this trust in Zazen, right? In meditation. We've experienced through our sitting that over time, we know it changes us in ways we wouldn't expect. And sometimes, you know, and, and we know we get, we sort of lose that sense of self and we get, we, we understand a little more about who we really are in our nature. But, you know, sometimes I think we can overemphasize this. It's as if, and I think I'm, I, I, I sometimes used to think this, and maybe sometimes I still do, but sometimes we think, Okay, if we sit long enough, eventually we're going to drop off body and mind. <laughs> and, you know, maybe, maybe, hey, I'm a big Zazen here. Maybe that's true. But maybe there's another approach to take here. So how do we work with this, this mind that 
settles in and says, okay, I don't see anything here. And in this environment, where all this stuff pops up and all these people teach us how to be and we have all of these little identities. How do we work with this? You know, one time when I was, I was living in Uptown, it's Andersonville now, I was trying to park my car. And there was this spot that was big enough for two cars. And this woman comes up and she pulls in. But there wasn't enough room. There was a big enough space. So I rolled down my window and I say to her, you know, if you pulled up a little, I could sit in it. And she said, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to park that close to the car. So this was 40 years ago. <laughs> this event happened before some of you were born. And even to this day, when I'm driving around, I think of that woman who didn't want to do <laughs> And some days, it just makes more steam come out of my ears. You're a true Chicago <laughs> And other days, I think, I find myself singing this little song. Crabby lady looking for a parking space. Where's the crabby lady's parking space? Because it's the sense of, you know, this was 40 years ago, girl, we ain't out to here. <laughs> On the other hand, it's kind of fun to be a crabby lady looking for a parking space. <laughs> I could get into this. I mean, where else are you going to find Buddha but a crabby lady looking for a parking space? <laughs> You know, so there's those there's ways of practicing both and the cushion and all the people. We get so caught up, you know, in this no self and this emptiness that that poor old blind self gets kind of kicked around, you know, like some, you know, unwanted stepchild. It's another little story, you know, when I was a kid, growing up, my family, we did not get sick. That was like sickness was not allowed. Even if you were sick, you just moved along. So recently I got COVID. So I did the thing, I isolated for five days, and then you know you wear a mask for five days and you stay away from people and things. And then I took another home test and it said positive. And I thought, well, okay, you know this can't be right. You know, I do not get sick. This is this is like this test is not accurate. So I go off to the little uh, urgent care place to get a PCR test. And the nurse says to me, Well, you know, this PCR test is going to be positive because, you know, the virus is going to be in your system for 90 days. And a better indication is, do you have any symptoms? And I said, no, no, no I don't have any symptoms. You know, I'm okay. And the nurse looks at me up and down like, really? And she <laughs> says, uh, so you don't have a cough, you don't have a dry cough, you don't have sniffles or congestion, you don't have chills, diarrhea, you're not tired all the time. And I said, well, <laughs> and she looks at me and she says, yeah, you're sick. Go home. Go back to bed. Let the symptoms run out and then, you know, you can go back into the world and be in your life. But, and I have to say, I can't tell you how much fun it is telling people that little COVID story I make up here because everybody laughs because they get it. They get, you know, you're playing out of the wrong, you're playing out of a different uh, playbook here. You know, you're holding on to some image you learned as a kid that you think that's who you are. And that the person who's immune from sickness. Well, it's these it's these moments when we allow ourselves to bump into ourselves. You know, that we find the contours of of our life and we get to look into emptiness. It's a way to 
flying up empty in the sense and say, oh, look, you're not this person who doesn't get sick. You're not necessarily crabby lady looking for a parking space. But we get to see into who we really are, and we get to enjoy being crabby, and we get to enjoy being sick, and we just get to have a lot more fun in life. <laughs> Sometimes I think we take emptiness and ourselves so damn serious. Okay, I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna drop off body and mind, and then at some future date, and I actually, look me, I've got a lot of sitting behind me. I thought this way for a number of years. I'm just gonna sit and I'm gonna drop off body and mind, and then I'll be okay. <laughs> well, what am I now? Top liver? I'm not awakened now? <laughs> I don't have life here now? You know, one time when I was, was on my first job on heist, I was working for this bank. And we're five uh, loan officers that I work for. Yes, I actually took dictation. I, I have all these jobs that don't exist anymore in my past. It's sort of weird. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm taking this dictation. And one of his colleagues comes over to this loan officer, and he compliments him about this event that happened last night and what a good job he did. And the loan officer looks up and he says, oh, it's just my early training. And I thought, oh, what a nice way to look at this. You know, we have so many things in our early training that we learned about ourselves and that we think that's who we are now. So we need these little um, cues sometimes. So we need some little way to recognize that even off the cushion, that when you bump, when you let yourself trip over yourself and have a good laugh about it, or you bump into something, or even when somebody, when you feel embarrassed, you know, when you feel embarrassed, somebody's kicking in some identity you think you have, and that's worth saying, oh, but wait. What, who is this embarrassed person? But, you know, it's like our environment sticks to us. And, and, and if we can find a way to say, wait a minute, what's going on here? What is that that's sticking to me? It lets us see, it lets us see our true nature. It lets us see into what this emptiness is all about. You know, Next month's Thanksgiving, and my family's coming over and cooking for my family. So my siblings and all, we're all in our 60s and 70s. But I'm telling you, we all get together, we're all 9 and 12 all over. And I think to myself, okay, Jerry, just remember that early training. Remember, you know, you're really hot. You may think you're 12, but you're really young. And, to, to, and even, you know, maybe to just be 12 and to act out of that place, but to recognize, okay, who is this person who's really doing this? You know, part of me probably really is 12. But there's a way, I think, just walking around every day in life and letting ourselves just be who we are. Just lean right into that craziness. Lean right into being crabby, being 12, you know, being the person who's got a nurse looking at him, like, you know, okay, what's up with this one? I got a live wire here. Thanks, well, she's well. Go on, go to bed. Stupid person. And it's like, how do we learn to work with that? And I, I want to go back to this Cohen because I want to think about 
I want to think about the student's responses. Because he says, I guess when I put myself in the student's place, I said, okay, I don't think I would answer like this. And I thought, wasn't that interesting? So first he says, where are you born? And he says, well, I'm from New Providence. Okay, I probably would have said that. I probably said, yeah, I'm from Chicago. No, he could have said something else. And he thinks about it a lot. Yeah, I could say that. But then when he says, okay, when I think that, you know, the student says, okay, when I reach inside myself, I don't see anything there. And the teacher says, that's right when you're in the stage of faith, but it's not yet enough for the stage of being human. Well, okay, I got to tell you the truth. Frankly, I think, what does that mean? It's not yet enough for the stage of being human. But I, that's a little harsh, don't you think? I mean, what's the teacher trying to say here? I'm not human? But this little monk just steps right over there, like, okay, whatever. And then he says, do you have anything else to say? You got anything else? I don't know if I would say that to my teacher, if I got anything else. <laughs> that sounds kind of, you'd have to know somebody really well to say that. I, think. I have this friend, sometimes I'll call her up and I'll tell her my little drama of the day. And sometimes she won't respond in the way. And I'll say to her, really? <laughs> That's your response? How is that helpful? Now, I would say this to my friend of mine who I've known for, I don't know, 50 some odd years. But would I say that to myself? You know, you've got to think, you know, maybe not so much. You have to, these, this student and this teacher, they're kind of tight, I think. They have this relationship that allows the student to say, okay, what else should I do? And it turns out, Youngstown has something else to tell them. Youngstown says, whether I have something else or not is not the issue. When you look inside now, you see only undifferentiated darkness. But move around, throw on some clothes, and then notice yourself doing that. Get up, move around, go outside, do stuff, have a life, and then notice what you're doing here. Notice when you're bouncing into yourself and tripping over yourself. Notice when you're saying, well, what's happening? When we do that, we, we light up emptiness. It's a way, it's another way to find our true self. Sitting on the cushion is a wonderful thing. But I'm telling you, you can be caught up in, I'm going to sit on the cushion and wait for my body to drop, but my mind and body to drop off, and then I'm going to be awake. Well, wake up, people. <laughs> We're awake now. You know, it's, it's, I am, I want to read, I'm almost done, I'm not going to find out what time we are, but I'm pretty much coming to the end of this talk. But I want to read you two things. This little book, Through the Forest of Every Color, it's Awakening with Cohen's, but of Joan Southern. This is really a nice little book on Cohen's and how to approach Cohen's. I just started it. But she's got a couple of things in here. She talks about what she calls vastness or um, emptiness. And I want to read you a little paragraph and then just one little sentence. So this says, because emptiness is often contrasted to form, an emptiness perspective can also refer to a lopsided view, emphasizing the unreal or absolute nature of something over its material reality in particular. You know, emptiness 
It's in that every day, those little places where we think we know who we are, and we got all of this training, and people told us who we were, and we believed them, and now we're just acting out of some goofy playbook. And every time we can notice that, and every time we can say, oh, yeah, okay, that's maybe not who I am, can we light up into this. So there's this other little sentence in here that just, I'm just going to read this one sentence because it's so lovely. The Chinese teacher, Deshan, describes emptiness as clearly visible, radiant, and alive. I gotta tell you, I never really thought of emptiness as being visible. But you know, if you let yourself triple yourself, if you can just say, oh, look at that. Even you know, when somebody insults you or you're feeling embarrassed and you think, well, look at that. Look at what I got this little person I'm hanging on to here. <laughs> it lights up emptiness. It makes it visible. It's like, oh. You can actually experience being a Awake just walking down the street. It's such a wonderful thing. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, 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 so that's my, what I have to offer today. And so I'd like to know what you think about sitting in Zaza and walking around in your life and how we can find emptiness in places we would expect it, and how we can bring that emptiness a lot, and how we can just really just enjoy being human. You know, I mean, if we wait till we're, we think we're dropped off by our mind and we're awake, well, we're going to miss the show. And the show is, you know, the show is what's important. The show is what's Show us what a fun is. So thank you for sharing. Let me know what you think about the smile. And would you answer like the monk answered, or would you think of do you think of how uh, if you were that monk, what would you be thinking about this? Well, this uh we've got we've got enough for faith in Zazen, but not quite enough for being what do you think about? What do you think about this monk in the student and how he responds to Yang Shan. Or how Yang Shan responds to him. Everybody in the comments and questions, concerns, and side remarks. Simone. I struggle a lot with uh so I sometimes flip. And sometimes I condemn myself for flipping. And other times I think, no. If I have to reach a little bit of uh, quiet or the, not the need to flip, it's because I need to let the steam out. Because that's what I have as a human and as a person. And you reach peace by going through a process. And if I tamper the process, I'm just confusing kindness with courtesy or pleasantry or being who I'm not. And so this connects to me to what various people have told me at different times. And, and I think you have to underline this process. By the way, you, you, you have much more of an inner process like Woody Allen than I thought you did. <laughs> 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 which I, 
appreciate it. But about 10 years ago, I was talking to an immigration lawyer, and I was very agitated about the process and how do I do this. And other than that, I was talking to him for 20 minutes without stopping and laying it out. And he's like, yes, but enjoy the process that you have to go through. Otherwise, it's just, if you come down to this, it's like, even if it's a problem, enjoy it. Yeah, just enjoy the process. And the same way a good friend of mine also says that if I'm complaining about things, and he goes like, yes, you can sit and you can quietly think about it, but enjoy the creation and the manifestation of things a bit. Otherwise, what are you doing here? What's the process you're wearing your practice here? <laughs> so like, okay. So I struggle with that a lot. But at the same time, you know, it's a balance, right? Like I need to get to the calmness to that. So... I don't know, I wonder what do you think about about that, about just letting things be even when they're not pleasant and the crappiness, you touched on that, but I don't have a Buddhist equivalent, Buddhist equivalent, but I often think about the flipping the tables at the temple of Jesus. <laughs> just like everybody like puts this guy on a cross is really nice, but then when the merchants are not being nice, it just like just flips the tables full of like paintings in, in Rome where there's just Jesus literally flipping the tables and whipping the merchants. And I go like that's a process too, you know, you just you're just gonna so I don't know, it all comes down to that. And it's a thing about I think about it often, and, and you know, it, I don't know when I'm justifying with myself. What am I telling myself that I need to go through this process, and how much do I enjoy being angry now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think so there's a certain amount of do a certain amount of picking and choosing. Like we say to ourselves, okay, it's okay to be nice, <laughs> but it's not okay to be mean. It's okay to be happy, but it's not okay to be sad. It's okay to be humble, but it's not okay to be arrogant. So sometimes I think, you know, you've got so many emotions in the bag of tricks as a human. We might just as well experience them all, because we're not going to be here that long. You know, why just pick out a few and say, okay, I'm going to just be, just going to have these emotions and those emotions over there. I'm going to put those back in the box. You know, it's not like you're going to have a second time around here to use those later. It's, it's We just have to sort of, I don't know if this will help, but I had a yoga teacher once, and it's kind of on the same thing. And she said, you know, we all move into these big, huge houses. And we take all of our stuff, and we go all the way up into the attic, and we cram it all in there, and that's where we live. She said, what about all these other rooms we got here? <laughs> So it's a sort of the same thing with our attitudes and how we think about ourselves and how we think about other people. It's okay. And sometimes if we learn to enjoy it, like if we can learn to enjoy to be angry, like when I learned to be to enjoy being crabby about looking for a parking space, the crabbiness sort of dissipates. Because now it's an entertainment. Now it's not crabbiness. And it's a way of, I don't know, if you don't let yourself be mean or crabby, then you sit, then even when you're sitting zazen and you remember your mean moments and you remember all those things you wish you didn't do, those are the days when you got to get under the bed and hide in the corner because, oh, my God, somebody's going to know what I'm terrible, awful person. <laughs> but if you can say, 
oh yeah, you gotta learn to laugh at ourselves. If we could say, oh yeah, man, I, and I there, I've done some really. If we could say, okay, my cousin has this thing, you know, when she's when we're together as a family, and someone's doing something she don't like, she'll look over and she'll say, okay, we like them, they can stay. <laughs> it's this, it's this ability. You know, we learn in our early training that there are just some things we shouldn't do. Well, really? I don't know. Try getting really mad. Try being really mean. See how it feels. I feel kind of nice. I feel kind of really bad, but yeah, we just, it's what I would say. It's about not picking and choosing what emotions we're going to allow ourselves to have or not. Yeah. That really makes the most sense. Uh, if not about choosing, picking and choosing, you know, which emotions. Well, I'm not going to feel that emotion, or because it's not good. I, I'll take this emotion, but just letting the emotion be the emotion. Uh, my kids, something else. Yeah. Um, when I when I first moved here, I was working in the suburbs, uh, and I would have to commute out there during rush hour. <laughs> Um, on, on 90 to get that to Arlington Heights. Um, and I was usually not timing myself very well. And, uh, uh, I find that it's an art form to drive on 90 during rush hour because <laughs> there are phases of the highway where traffic moves faster than others. And so over time I came to know, okay, here I'm going to merge into this lane to want to control the situation. Um, but times I would get very, very angry in, in my car. Um, it's funny, Nicholas was talking about primal screen therapy last week. Um, I would just scream very loudly in my car because I was very frustrated. Um, and I feel better after. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a release of something. Um, and to your point, I mean, after time, I got less angry about that. And I was like, okay, this is just part of how this is. Um, so yeah, it, it was, I think, just like being comfortable with that. Frustration. Um, uh, living with someone also uh, is a good. Um, <laughs> getting, getting the eye even now. There are times when I, I don't want to show a difficult part of myself, or, or if I am feeling a certain way, or if I'm in a crabby mood. Um, you know, I don't want to be seen. I want to, you know, I want to be the nice person. And so, like, you know, Wade sees me, this difficult part of me, and I don't like it at all. Like, I don't want that side of myself to be seen. Um, and so you go through this whole ritual of, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but after time, um, when you can kind of come back and we can joke about that with ourselves and, like, oh, yeah, like, I've never done this before. <laughs> um, and it just makes everything much nicer and much easier and we can laugh at ourselves and it just feels so wonderful to be seen by someone and still be loved. And that's not just a partner, that can be a friend, that can be a song member, that can be anyone. Um, that's really important, I think, to like have that mirror hold up to you because um, that's how we can be more comfortable with those parts of ourselves that we might not like because we don't want to look at them ourselves.
Yeah, we need people in our lives like this student and this teacher who are this that intimate, you know, that they can they can just talk about who they really are and can be a student could be himself and I gotta give them credit. Personally for me, this is another thing, you know, that I get stuck in in my identity crisis sticking things here, but I have a hard time asking questions in Zazen because in my early Zazen training, I was taught, well, the teacher doesn't give you any answers. The teacher doesn't know anything that you don't know. So I think to myself, well, the teacher doesn't know anything. He's going to give me an answer. Why would I ask him a question? What's that about? <laughs> and there's a part of me that thinks, what do they know that I can't figure out for myself? It sounds a little arrogant when I say that out loud. But, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a sense of this student was... I don't know if it's an innocence or a vulnerability, but he had that sense of, yeah, it's okay. What else you got here? This, you know, thank you. This was helpful, but what am I doing here next? How does this work? What do you know? There's a, there's a really, he's just being a student, you know, he's just got that sense of, okay, here I am with my teacher. This is my time with my teacher, and here's my question. It's just, you know, he's not pretending he can, and he doesn't say, you know, at some point here, instead of asking that question, I probably would have said, okay, I get it. Let me just go off and sit somewhere and I'll figure this out. Whoa. Okay. You know, that's back there too. Okay, I'm going to sit long enough and eventually, you know, I'm going to drop off body and mind and voila, I'll have a life. Whoa. So, and I think, you know, partly I think also it is our Zazen sitting that opens us up enough so that when we bump up against ourselves and trip over ourselves, it allows us to have that space to say, okay, who is it that's tripping here and bumping over themselves and acting like a out of the wrong playbook here? It's the sitting that helps us do it. They sort of bounce off of each other. So, you know, we always say, you know, Zazen's just not on your cushion. Well, that's why, because we bump up against ourselves and we bump into the crazy things we do and all of the things that scare us and intimidate us and the things that make us joyful and the things we jump up and down and say, yeah, let's do more of that. All of that stuff that we bump into and identify with, all of that environmental stuff, the more we practice with that, okay, you know, let's let's put on some clothes and then notice what we're doing. <laughs> they sort of work together to help us light up and make, I really like that phrase, let's make emptiness visible. <laughs> I think that is just, I just never thought of emptiness as being something you could see. Uh, you know, it's an experience you can have, but it's like, oh yeah, I could do stuff like, oh, look, there it is. That's kind of cool. Wait, Asian has her hand up. Asian. Thank you for a wonderful talk. Um, I don't have as much to say now as I did a few minutes ago because you really kind of answered it. But um, I'm very much like you. I have a hard time coming up with questions in in any situation. And I think, you know, with that monk, I'm very impressed that he could say, you know, 
don't you have anything further for guidance? Because, um, you know, maybe like you, I was really, really trained to always know the answer or look like I did. And that's very hard to just stop and say, you know, I have no idea what you're talking about. In fact, I'll catch myself, you know, talking to someone and they're saying something and they're, you know, and I'm just going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then, you know, I have to admit that, you know, two seconds later, like, I actually don't know what you mean. (laughs) After I've just said, oh, yes, Um, but but, you know, but I'm proud of that because it's taken me a long time to get even to there, you know, so so maybe um, after another 20 years of Zazen, I will be able to not just say, yeah, 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 but I'll get to the like, I don't know what you mean um, a little sooner. So, you know, I I don't I don't know if that reflects the monks. familiarity with emptiness or comfort with himself but uh but it's i think it's a um i i'm impressed that he's able to say that yeah i think there's also a sense from this month that we're kind of in this together you know he's not you know my first instinct is to say okay i'll go off the tree this out on my own thank you his instinct is to say well wait what do you think but, you know, his instinct is to sort of share and to sort of have a little more community and to recognize that if he's thinking this, somebody else is thinking this, and they might they might have thought about it a little longer or a little differently. And they might actually have something useful here. He's got that, I don't know, it's a, it's a kind of an innocence. It's kind of a, a sense of intimacy, yeah. I can ask the world stuff and the world's going to answer me. <laughs> and all it's going to have, people know stuff. I know stuff, but people know stuff. It's like dropping competitions. Are you dropping competition? Well, and it's also, I don't know, it's another identity thing I got going in my life. But, you know, I think of myself as Irish. I never actually lived in, I mean, I've visited Ireland bunches of time, but I never actually lived there. But the Irish are kind of very, I know people have seen they have the gift of the gap, but they're kind of solitary people. They, they're not big talkers about what's going on in their life. So, and I kind of have that sense of me. I don't, I'm not a big person to go around and say, guess what happened to me today? No, not, not happening in my life. And so there's a sense of that too, you know, that ability to, to sort of learn how to ask that question is a way to say, well, wait, you know, I'm not alone here. There's, there's, there's a community here. And there's a way to step into that and to grow into that and to recognize, okay, we're all in this together. I just wanted to thank you for being here again. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> That's not always the easiest thing to do, is it? The word that you uh, just mentioned now that is, is key is intimacy. It's about, you know, it's something I've been running through my mind a lot and a lot recently because of the work, especially because of the work that I'm doing. And I had preconceptions about what it would be like. 
and now I'm actually doing it, and it's not necessarily the same as my preconceptions. But I'm finding the times that are most fulfilling is when I'm most intimate, when I'm connected. The times when I, would have, for whatever reason, that I'm feeling distant are the times that aren't working for me. It's the intimacy. It's the being able to share, if not my own self, at least share what that other person is feeling. That's the, that's the key. Is that we're not our environment, but we are <laughs> in the same, in the same, in the same sense. Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. We're still the coin. Mm -hmm. We just have two sides. Um, and, uh, Thank you for that word. That word that, that, that means a lot. Intimacy. Thank you. Wait, did you have something else you want to say? Well, actually, it was a similar point to what David just said, um, which is that you can't go off and figure it out alone, because how how could you do anything alone, right? Because you're not. That's that's the emptiness is that you're bringing everyone with you, even if you're sitting by yourself in zaza and that that woman that needed two spots, uh, you know, has been a great teacher for you, right? And now she's a great teacher for me. <laughs> and, all of us. and I'll think about it the next time I park, right? Um, it's not always easy to remember this. That that's that that emptiness really does mean identity with everything around you. Right. And that's the intimacy with your environment is, you know, emptiness and sort of this, uh, interest net image are two sides of the same coin as well. Just like the self and, and your surroundings and past experiences. Yeah. So I thought that was a wonderful talk. Really, really great practice instruction. Thank you. I just had one thing real quick. My daughter, uh, was a, uh, graduated from Columbia got her MSW. And because of COVID, it was all online. And so all they did is they showed pictures and then the, each student had a, a quote that they wanted to be with the picture. And she picked this at my, my daughter's way off <laughs> into, into uh, civil rights and human rights. I mean, really, really strongly looking out her, her passion. And she had, I remember it's this Caleb something, but it's a woman. And she said, anything worth doing is not done alone. Anything worth doing is not done alone. And that's what we're, that's what I hear you saying a little bit tonight. This was coming through to me. And she doesn't do things alone. <laughs>